Hello and welcome to the Pelcast podcast. Myself, David Carabini. Support for this week's Pelcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the exclusive offer for you, 20% off, and free worldwide shipping when you use the code PELCAST20. That's PELCAST20, P-E-I-L-C-A-S-T-2-0. PELCAST20 at manscaped.com. If my maths is correct, that's, oh, that's about 8 million balls, give or take. Have you ever had a nick downstairs when you're having a nice groom? Not very good, is it? It hurts. It's quite painful. For me personally, it's happened many times. But not anymore. Not since I invested in Manscaped. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and oh man, it's a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag that holds your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their, their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight. You need this for a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess in the bathroom floor. You thought that was good? The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0. The Manscaped Boxers and the Travel... The, Shed travel bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code PELCAST20. That's PELCAST20. P-E-I-L-C-A-S-T-2-0. And trust me when I say this, your balls will thank you. This week on a PELCAST podcast, Dave and I speak to Jake Dykes of Atlantic Scholarships about the collegiate system in the U.S. We then speak to Leeds United underage star and New Ireland underage international Ronnie McGrath about his career and being called up to Ireland for the first time. Finally, we preview Ireland's first ever kick conference, KickCon. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Pelcast podcast with myself, Dave Carabini and Bill Gain. We're missing Jack McArdle this week, but we've uh, replaced him with someone who's uh, much better. Uh, it's Atlantic Scholarships, very own Jake Dykes. Jake, how are you? Good, lads. Thanks for having me on. That's great to have you on. Um, you, you've set up Atlantic Scholarships um, with American colleges, and uh, we're just wondering, how, how did that start up anyway with yourself? Yeah, so I, I suppose it was kind of an idea that we we had, uh, my partner, myself, who was Ben Spellman. Uh, he's from County Sligo as well. Um, when we were actually in college in the US, um, just about setting up pathways, I suppose, for, for athletes of all levels, uh, primarily in football or soccer, as it's known over there, uh, because that's kind of our bread and butter. 
Um, it's something that we're very, very passionate about in terms of, um, you know, giving young uh, athletes a chance to, for example, if they don't progress into a professional environment, um, that they do have the opportunity to, to go into a, a full-time setup where they can actually balance their education and their, their sport as well. So it, it kind of came to light in, uh, in towards around the, the end of 2017. Um, and yeah, it's been planned ever since. And we actually went live with us going on about two and a half years ago. And we've been formed as a, as a company now, a limited company for about a year and a half, two years. So, uh, sorry, yeah, two years exactly, um, actually. So yeah, it, look, it's gone well. Um, and as I said, I think we're just, we're, we're massively passionate about uh, giving young people the opportunity, you know, if things don't go well for them in Ireland. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. I mean, we, we had one of your, your um, clients, I suppose you, you call them, is uh, in Sean Kerrigan on, on the first episode of this podcast a few weeks ago, and he, he spoke very highly of the the program. Uh, he's, I think he's obviously smashing it over there with Ann Arbor at the moment as well, so it's, it's great to see that. Um, like we know you, you've got Ellie Ferguson involved there as well. Is there is there any other uh, big Irish names that we should know about coming up? Um, yeah. So I mean, just speaking on Sean, like Sean, Sean's a very interesting one as well because, um, you know, Sean had gone to Finn Harps. He was in around the first team. He was training with them. I know Holly did his best to try and keep him there. Uh, knowing Holly and the way he is, he, he tried everything. But uh, yeah, he's an interesting one because you know he kind of seen the bigger picture with it as well. Uh, in the sense that. He'd be graduated at 22 and he'd be coming back to Ireland. But yeah, getting back to your original point, um, it, there's a lot of Irish lads and, and, and girls as well over there at the minute that are applying their trade over there. Um, I think there's there's one thing about it is there's probably not a lot of coverage uh, of it when, when they do go across um, in terms of, you know, the, the publicity side of things and how well they're doing over there. But from, from our point of view as a company, um, you know, we, we have about 20 clients, uh, between 20 and 25 clients on the books right now. Um, of that, we've got four, potentially six going out this year. Um, and again, it's, it's different levels uh, of, of player, you know, uh, different levels of colleges that, that they'll be going to. So, um, yeah, as you mentioned, I know Ellie Ferguson is over there as well. Um, I believe she's a sister of Evan Ferguson. I, I don't know if that's his, his correct name. Um, but yeah, she, she's over there. I know she's playing with Sean at the minute. Uh, Aaron Loy is another one. Um, I don't know if you know Aaron. Uh, I, yeah, I played I, against I him once. Yeah, he's, so he's over there as well. Um, he's playing professional now as well. So, look, there's there's a whole range. And I think the beauty about it as well is it's it's not only football, but they're actually playing across a range of sports. You know, there's a a, a lady from Sligo called Mona McSharry, who's uh, swimming at um, the University of Texas, I believe. So, um, there, look, there's those opportunities over there. And, I, and again, I think it's just the, the publicity side of things is lacking a little bit uh, in terms of uh, publicising them back home uh, in Ireland. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've noticed that there with the, the lack of publicising. I mean, you mentioned Darren Malloy there. I, I remember him from a time when he was at Trotter. I'm a Trotter fan myself, so I saw him a good few times before he went over. I actually didn't, you know, I didn't realise. I knew he went over on a scholarship. I didn't realise it was yourselves that brought him over. Um, yeah, well, it, it, it actually wasn't us. I think he went through somebody okay. else, but I was just kind of giving reference. So he, I think he, oh, sorry, yeah, he yeah, actually, yeah. I played against him uh, when he was over there. So it would have been... Um, I think it was 2017, and he went to the University of Pennsylvania, and I was at NC State, so North Carolina State University. Uh, yeah. But again, you know, he, he's done really, really well for himself over there, again, trying to keep uh, tabs on the Irish lads when they're across there, and the girls, just to see how they're doing. So, you know, he's flying, which is great to see. Yeah, no, I saw he was, he, he went, he signed for one of the MLS teams during the draft a, a few years ago, so it was great to see that. 
Um, and like you know, he's he's obviously he was a you could tell from when we saw him with Trotter, he was a smashing little player. Uh, I think it was yeah, I think it would have been twenty sixteen when he went over. He was um, he was only a young fella at that stage, so he's, he's probably a much more mature head in the shoulders at the moment, and he's probably smashing it over there from from what I can hear. Um, but yeah, so like you you're, you were mentioning about the about Ellie Ferguson, Evan Ferguson, as you said, the brother. Uh, he's he's over with Brighton at the moment, isn't he? I think so, yeah, and I, and I know he's playing with the Irish under-21s as well. Uh, I watched the game last week against Italy, so, um, you know, they're obviously a sporting background, a sporting family, so uh, there must be something in the water in that house. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was playing when he was 14, wasn't he, for Bowles against Chelsea, I think, in a, in a pre-season friendly one time. So, right, I mean, yeah, there's I def- definitely, yeah, <laughs> definitely, you know, definitely something in the water, as they say. Um, and just, what what colleges are you, you mentioned the... Um, a couple in there. What what other colleges would be involved in the the Atlantic Scholarships game? Yeah, well, it's 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 a range of colleges, really. To be honest, it's uh, so what we do is we're, we're basically a consultancy. So, um, it's our job, really. Uh, I say that very vaguely, but the biggest job for us really is to try and find uh, and source a college for our clients in the US. So, you know, it, it, there's so many variables with the process in terms of. Uh, the clients and maybe you know what what they can afford for example in terms of budget whether they want a full scholarship partial whether scholarship isn't an issue at all um then obviously you have maybe the lifestyle element yeah then obviously you have the sporting element the educational side of things um so i i think from from our point of view and again why we're so passionate about this is that um it, it really is um you know tenable for anybody um regardless of what level you're at uh, regardless of your academic or academic sorry background um, so, you, like, you know, so just to throw a couple of names out there, you know, we, we were sent, uh, obviously you mentioned Sean, he's at Mercyhurst University, which is a Division Two university. Um, this year we're sending out a player called uh, Sean McAvoy. Uh, he's going to Loyola University, so Sean would have played with Bray Wanderers. Um, he then went up to Ballinamatters United. Uh, I think he might have been at one other club as well. Um, but I, if you remember, he played in the, the European Championships, the under-18s. Uh, he played right back, I believe it was uh, about three years ago, four years ago now. Sorry, not three. Yeah, probably about three years ago, two, three years ago. Um, and, and he was superb, you know, for the whole campaign. So uh, he was playing with Ballon Mallard. He, he contacted us. He was looking to go across. So we managed to secure something for him. So he's uh, going across in the summer. A couple of other lads then uh, that we, we've had on our, our books as well. Shane O'Reardon, he was at Cork City. Um, he's gone to a different division. So it's called the NJCAA. Uh, NJ, NJCAA, sorry, yeah, um, and he's gone across to a univer- uh, college called Coastal Bend University. So uh, Shane's a little bit different in the sense that he finished his leaving cert. He took uh, two gap years, which means he's not eligible for the top division. So he had to go a certain route to then get into a, a D1 or a D2 school. So again, you know, that, that's the beauty about the US and the beauty about the system is that they, these uh, athletes and these, these uh, students can, can start off really wh- whatever level they, they want to. Um, and they can kind of work up from there or they can go straight into a D1 school and, and start performing from there. Okay, yeah, no, that's, that's it's great to, you know, you've obviously got a lot of lads who are doing really well for themselves in there. And it actually brings me on to my next question, which was, um, so you mentioned there that, that Shane O'Reardon uh, approached yourselves, but uh, do you have a scouting network there as well where you kind of have a look yourselves or is it they come to you first? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it works kind of both ways. So we, we obviously have a, a big network of coaches that we work with. Um, what I would say is that, you know, it's, it's a very, very wide net because I think at the minute there's over 6,000 coaches 
in the US, just specifically for, for football. Um, it's funny, you know, it's really interesting. I think the coaching aspect of it, uh, what you'll find is the coaches, there's actually a lot of Irish coaches over there, you know, whether it's uh, graduate assistants, whether it's head coaches, assistant coaches, uh, goalkeeping coaches, for example. So a lot of coaches over there will actually be of a of Irish background. I know, um, again, just kind of calling a couple of names out, uh, Paddy Fitzgerald is one guy that I would have played with in the... Uh, Irish school boys team in the Centenary Shield. He's over there now. Uh, he's coaching in Division Two schools, so he's remained over there after uh, playing over there. Um, so yeah, I mean we've we've got a really really wide network. Um, what we've done as well uh, last December was we had our first showcase event, which was in Dublin uh, at Talker Rovers, um, where coaches actually flew over from from the states, um, and we we got players from all around the country to come up. Uh, it was filmed. You know we we had. Uh, GPS there on the day, for example, uh, and it was really, really good. It just gave the, the players a chance to play in front of the coaches and uh, obviously the coaches to see, you know, what level the players are at as well. And, uh, you know, some of them actually got scholarships from that as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a really, really big network. As I said, the Irish community over there is really, really small. Um, so, so it all depends, you know, we've, we've a really, really wide net of contacts over there. Yeah, no, that, that's just... Um really interesting to see like that kind of stuff so would you say that there's any similarities in there to UCD as a as a college scholarship kind of thing or is a completely separate thing that would be completely different yeah so this this is really interesting because again I actually went through this with um, my old club Sligo Rover so I attended uh, Sligo IT as it was known back then um, where I was training kind of morning time uh, and then the evening I was in college in the IT. And I think one of the biggest things that for me that was very hard to juggle was, um, like I know we went through a, a change of managers and, you know, the manager that came in said, you know, you, you either have to kind of train full-time but also you go to college. And I was kind of put in a situation where I had to decide that. So I decided to go uh, college full-time and then move to Ballinam Manage United to go part-time football. Um, and then coinciding with that a year later, I was moving to the US. So I had a kind of a, a bigger plan. I know with UCD, you know, like I'm, again, a massive advocate for this. I think there's going to be a huge shift um, in the way the League of Ireland is run uh, in the next couple of years. I think, you know, they're at the crossroads right now in terms of uh, the commercialization of the league, what they can do with it, the benefits of, you know, having a system where you can actually match your education and, and your sport and success as well. So, yeah, I think UCD is obviously the, the, the model that everybody looks at in terms of, you know, full-time study and, and the guys are, are training full-time as well and, they're, and they're, they're obviously in the Premier Division. And, and you know, the, the, the great thing about all of this is that it's it's worked. Um, you know, UCD have a unique style of play. They have a very unique philosophy in the in the way they apply that. Um, and, you know, as you can see now, there, there's players on the books there that are, are probably going to get moves in the next couple of weeks. So um, it definitely is something that's achievable. Um, I think, you know... It, the big thing about this is just getting this in front of people, getting the, the conversation going. Uh, like, again, you compare it with the US where they've got the MLS system uh, and the, the super draft. You know, I, I don't see why that something like that can't be brought into the, the League of Ireland. Um, and I think, you know, it's obviously going to come down to fi finances and infrastructure, uh, which obviously currently isn't in place. But if you base it off UCD, it, you know, it's definitely achievable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at UCD at the moment, you know, they, they obviously won the first division playoff last year, um, got promoted that way with the likes of Colin Whelan, unfortunately he's injured at the moment. Um, they have, you know, Liam Kerrigan, uh, they've, they've a few really cracking, a lot of cracking players there. I think, you know, they've Sam Todd as well, who's come over from Scotland to study. And it just shows the power of UCD and the power of having, having an education there is that they can offer these things to 
you know, players coming over from abroad as well. But I don't think you get in in the Premier League or in, in other leagues abroad where, you know, it's it's something unique to us, it's something unique to ourselves. And obviously UCD had the, the European run as well a few years ago. That I mean, when was the last time a college team competed in Europe? So I, I think it is really interesting. It's really important that these, yeah. you know, people are looking at education as a I think there's a lot of a lot of teams in the League of Ireland that have education partnerships as well though isn't there yeah there is but I think going back to the point you made there David I think you know Brexit has presented a massive opportunity again for someone like Ireland for for the League of Ireland first division and second division you know you mentioned it there about European players maybe coming into to Ireland to play football so you know, there's no other system really in Europe right now where there's a, a scholarship system set up where you can bring in European players on maybe study visas, whatever it is, even if they need a visa, I'm not sure. But I, sorry, they don't need a visa. They're able to study freely in the in the EU. Because imagine, you know, you had a, a college set up where these players could come in, they could study, and all of a sudden they can actually be built into and integrated with a first team set up as well. That's something that, you know, no, no other country in Europe really has, has looked at. Um, again, there's kind of that gulf between professional and underage setup academies. So that's definitely something to, to look at. But yeah, going back to your question, um, you know, I think UCD is kind of the, the creme de la creme of what we're speaking about right now. Um, as you said, there, there is other clubs that are doing it. I know St. Pat's, for example, uh, they're linked in with Minute. Uh, Dundalk, I believe, are, are linked in with Dundalk IT. And again, I think it comes down to the, the, the bottom line with all of this is that, you know, it has to be manageable for the student athletes. You look at the likes of, you know, Sam Todd, as I said, Liam Kerrigan, um, Colin Whelan, they've made a really, really conscious decision where they've left good clubs in Ireland to go to UCD where they know that they can manage their full-time study and manage playing a full-time schedule as well. So there's a lot of variables with it. There's a, there's a lot that goes to it. Um, but yeah, I think it is something that um, so obviously, it obviously wouldn't be good for our business to be honest with you David but I, I, I genuinely am that passionate about us having gone through it that um, it's something I think it has to be brought to, to, to a table to, to at least discuss it kind of like the All-Ireland League you know the, 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 or the All-Ireland League sorry you know which yeah. was mentioned it was brought to a table it was discussed you know I was listening to Pat Fennan on a, on a podcast last week and he's writing what he said you know it comes down to finances and it comes down to European places which is kind of the only reason why it's been held off right now but you know, if, if it was to come into place, and again, I'm, I'm um, kind of a, a pro All-Island League because you're playing against the best clubs. And I think they just have to manage that expectation where, um, you know, the, the gulf uh, between top and bottom teams isn't, uh, it doesn't get bigger. So, look, as I said, I'm getting carried away a little bit, but I am. I'm, I'm very, very passionate about um, the UCD model, what Bowles are doing, uh, and again, what St. Pat's and other clubs like that are doing as well. Yeah, no, I mean it is great. I, I love the the idea of having the you know the connection with you know League of Ireland and, and college as well. I, I played for for ITB in Blanchardstown, and uh, I mean I played fairly low level, like we were on the B team, but you know we had lads on the team that played for Bows and the and the like. So you could see that there was that connection with ITB and and Bows as well, and I think it's still going now. It's turned into TUD. Um, so like there is that you know there's another connection as well and I think it's something that, that we need to look at more in the country. I think didn't Cork have? I mean, Bill, you might know more than I would, but um, Cork had the had UCC on their on their kit for a while as well. So they might still do actually. Now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah. the the partnership is I think it was due to extend or I'm not sure if it falling out or whatever. But like again, 
they had ha, I'm not sure how, how much of a scholarship system or it wasn't a full scholarship system. But um if you know Connor McCarthy now as actually he just had a contract with St. Mirren, I think um he's expected to move either abroad or to a club in English leagues and Sean McLaughlin and Hull City now. The two of them would have come through the college system. Sean actually played for UCC in I can't think of the name of the competition now, but um before signing for Cork City, then getting watched by um Liverpool and clubs and then signing for St. Mirren and then or no, for 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 Hull and then St. Mirren alone. Um Connor would have had a different path. He would have signed at UCC as a captain or signed with UCC and uh, came through the Academy of Cork City, became captain, and then towards the end of the degree actually made the move abroad. So I suppose there is those examples, but again, I think I posted it in my recent article on the women's team. Though Cork City should really be positioning themselves and using that partnership more. Like you could attract if if the next team to do that, I think in the League of Ireland, aside from from um UCD, um look, I, I have a lot of respect for UCD or whatever, but I think if a Dundalk or a Sham maybe a Sham Grovers they have a lot of resources, but if Cork City are a club like that position themselves as the place to go in League of Ireland where you could earn your education, play at probably a higher level, have a higher ceiling before getting that move abroad, I think you could attract an awful higher standard of player into the league and even like even for to offer the scholarship system to the players in the UK, like I don't see the reason why not because anything to improve the quality of the league, I think. But yeah, that's my thing. My thought. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Like it's it's um one hundred percent something that needs to be to be looked at. Like as you say, Cork have the facilities there. They can they could easily like, you know, use UCC as a um as basically like a knowledge a knowledge bin or whatever, you know, as a you know, get everybody in there and I d I don't see why you'd stop at um uh, you know, the UK and Ireland. I think you could look abroad further afield and, and take in players from like you know, you can nearly have an exchange programme with, with teams from, from maybe Madrid or Bruges or you know, all the Paris, whatever, any of these other uh big universities around around Europe like it would be a really unique way of kind of trailblazing something for like, sustainability in, in the game because you look at the, it's so easy to get an injury um that you know it's it's so easy for players to have career ending injuries very very early on and you know it's uh education is a, is a huge thing to have something to fall back on you know it's 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 huge uh, in my opinion anyway yeah, and I think just to jump on that as well, lads, like, I think, you know, it'd be very naive of me to, to, to you know, be chatting with you today and say that, you know, it's the be all and end all that you, there has to be an educational path and there has to be a football path combined. I think if you're speaking to any young player coming through an academy system today, you know, it's it's very, very hard for, for to convince some of those players, um, you know, to go down the edu- educational route along with their, their sport. Um, and that's a decision, like, again, I'm speaking on behalf of myself from the experience that I had. You know, it took me to, to 19, 20 years of age to realise that, okay, Jake, you need to have something here, maybe as a plan B, if football didn't work out. And again, it was the best decision I ever made. But trying to convince, um, you know, younger people uh, of that is, is something that's difficult. But again, I think that comes through discussion. I think that comes through uh, educating uh, as to what are the benefits of it. Um, and just again, to go back on your point, like I think that's why the US system works so well. 
you know, again, I go back to the team that I was on. We had guys from Germany, we had guys from Iceland, uh, we had guys from South America. Um, you know, and, and the beauty about that was you, you were culturally, you were, you were diverse, uh, you know, you were, you were integrating with all these different uh, types of cultures, as I said, and different ways of training, different methods. You know, I learned so much from that. And then, you know, the, the story that I always give is there's a tangible at the end of it as well, where, um, again, one of my friends that I met, uh, was with in college, he actually signed for Bayern Munich after college. Um, he, he went in as a scout. A lot of the lads went pro. Uh, one went to Seattle Saunders. Uh, one of them got actually signed by Celtic. Um, and then the other side of it as well is um, just from the educational point of view, you know, if there isn't a scholarship system in place with these clubs, or if, for example, there isn't a university system in place for these clubs within the League of Ireland, I think having a system where, um, you know, if the player doesn't make it at the club, having a support system in place for them is so important because if you don't make it now with, say, under-19 level, you know, what's next for a player? They have to be educated on, you know, how to live and move on with their lives after that. So, again, big advocate for it. I think there's so much room to grow uh, in terms of the space. And I think, as I said, I think it's something that the League of Ireland is looking at right now. It's more of a, a club-led project at the minute. But I think they are taking uh, a notice at how clubs are doing it. And I think it's something that's going to be rolled out, you know, quite soon. Yeah, well, that's that's the hope, I think, isn't it? It's, it's, it'd be great to see. Um, you know, I think we do need to, to have a, a broader discussion at, at a higher level than than, than ourselves to, to have a look into what can be done. I and mean, you mentioned the, the super draft earlier on, which I think could be a really, really interesting way of, of making the League of Ireland a little bit different than, you know, introducing kind of a new aspect of the game over here where we could, you know, I mentioned trailblazing earlier on, but it's something that it would be no other country does it in Europe. And it's there's such a disconnect between the US and, and the European game between MLS and Champions League that you're you're looking at you nearly even over here, I don't I don't think we have a right in Ireland to look down on the MLS, but I think it is something that people do nearly do when they're looking at European football. I think obviously in Ireland there's there's a big you know, support of English football over here and they're nearly looking at it saying, oh, well, the English game is better than the American game. Why would I watch that? It's the same with the Irish game. Why would I watch that when I have the English game right in front of me? And um, it's, it's you know, I think that's something that we could look at is, especially, you mentioned Brexit earlier on, Jake. It's, it's a, you know, something that we can use and, you know, it's we can really use that as a way of, improving our game by keeping these younger players here and it, it does come down to coaching and facilities at the end of the day but if we can get that kind of stuff right I think we'd be onto a real real winner like um, yeah, no, I, I agree 100% and I think as, as I said I think it's you know the League of Ireland now is at a crossroads as I said earlier I think you know you look at the Shamrock Rovers model and the way it is that they're you know they're top of the league they're flying they're selling clouds week in week out Um. I, and but again, that comes from you look at them maybe what was it 15 years ago or 10 years ago? I'm not sure, but they're in the first division. So the League of Ireland goes in cycles, it goes with every club. I've seen it with Sligo Rovers myself, you know, the club that I grew up with supporting my whole life. It goes in cycles. So, um, you know, if you're trying to make the league as attractive as possible, you know, this is something that could work. And again, you know, we, we've they're looking at TV rights now with League of Ireland TV which again has brought, I think, the, the game to the next level in Ireland. You know, so I think it's at a really, really good stage right now and a good crossroads, but um, I think they can elevate it to the next level. So it will be interesting to see what happens, I suppose, over the next couple of years. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's always interesting to watch the League of Ireland. That's why we say it's the greatest league in the world. There's always something going on. Uh, like it doesn't matter if it's on the pitch or off the pitch. There's just always something to talk about. So it's, it is it is uh, something that's that's really interesting. Um, but I, I'm just uh, thinking now. Just you know, you're talking about your, this the support that you have these these lads going over, the girls going over to America and things like that. Um, like, is there any kind of mental health? We had a, an episode last week with uh, Head in the Game, which I'm sure you've, you've heard of as a, you know, they're a, a mental health organisation that would look at, you know, getting, trying to encourage people to talk within the Lake of Ireland community when it comes to mental health. Like, do you have any supports for, for these kids going over there uh, yeah, well, for, their men, for the mental side? Yeah, well, I, I think the best thing that we do is is we, we're always communicating with the, with the clients. So what I mean by that is, you know whether they're, they're playing a, a game or whatever it is you know we're always checking up on them to see how it is it's 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 really interesting okay so we every client that we've had to date myself ben my partner we've all gone through a patch of homesickness when we were over there okay and i i have no problem admitting that myself so when i was over there it always hits in october okay in around the halloween break it always hits um and that's that's a very very big hurdle to get over because you know you're very very close to coming home for christmas to, to see your family the season's starting to wind down. You've had a really, really busy semester. So um, in terms of support, you know, in, in around October, year on year, you know, we, we always check in with everybody. We have WhatsApp groups with them. We try to have as much webinars as possible. But the, again, you, I go back to uh, the US and the structures that they have in place. When I was in college, we had a sports psychologist. So, you know, for me, when I was competing, and again, that's a long time ago now, lads, by the way, competing, um, you know, we, we had support structures there in place that, you know, if we need a little bit of help and guidance, we could go into a sports psychologist and we could speak with uh, this person who could maybe get us, you know, the extra one or two percent that we needed. We had dietitians. We had the best of the best in terms of medical care. You know, I got injured over there really, really badly. It was pretty much career and an injury. And literally, I got injured on the pitch. They brought on a buggy. And within five minutes, I had an MRI uh, on site at the college. It was away in the University of Connecticut. So... In terms of the structure and the support that these clients uh, or sorry, student athletes are given by the college, you know, it's it's, it's unmatchable. Uh, I, I would say the closest thing to it is is the Premier League, is uh, the Serie A, is the La Liga, just purely from a facility and support structure. Again, uh, the year we were over at Swansea City, we were over at our facility training, uh, doing pre-season, uh, you know, which is a college facility for men's soccer. It's unheard of. You know, I was coming from Sligo Rovers where, uh, or Ballinamad United, where we had an AstroTurf we had a pitch and again that was enough for us so this really broadened uh, my horizons on the sport that they had so yeah again you know as much as we can do from our end uh, we try to we know kind of the the hot topics and, and when they kind of uh, come to light throughout the year and, and just try to support them but it is it's, it's, a, it's a big topic over there I know in the US there's been um, a lot of discussion about it over the last couple of months Um unfortunately through bad news i suppose um and they are putting a lot more plans in place now but you know thankfully uh there is a lot of support structures for our clients already yeah that's 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 it's brilliant to hear that like it's um as i said we had an episode there a couple of weeks ago or last week actually it was when we were recording this um it was we, we had a chat with the lads from head in the game and i think one of them actually is based out in america and he was saying like it's it's brilliant over there, and he's talking about how how important heading the game is, and it's starting to go worldwide where they are encouraging. It's mainly young men, but uh, you know, men, women, children, everyone. It's it's just such a 
hot topic at the moment and it's something that's so important is mental health and for for myself and bill as well it's it's, it's a huge thing that that we want to try and push that narrative as much as possible to to get people to talk and it's you know for for mental health side of things it's it's just as important if not more important than your physical health so uh no it's great to see that they have those facilities in place over over in the states with with yourselves and then as further on with the college yeah they're they're, they're miles ahead uh obviously with all that is so uh they really are kind of a shining light with that which is which is great you know yeah no that's it's brilliant to hear and um just moving on like uh so yourselves you you you're a consultancy firm with Atlantic Scholarships. That where it will be called, is it? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So obviously yeah. we're dealing with, with amateur sports people. So it's it's not an agency because they're obviously amateur. So yeah, it's it's a consultancy. So would that be your your like getting your clientele would be through the college or is it uh, the the students themselves or how how would the the money flow come in for want of a better phrase? Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's the students um, themselves. Uh, we're regulated by the NCAA, which is the governing body in collegiate sports in the US. So um, our clients uh, would be kind of our, our revenue generation, so to speak. We don't have any form of revenue coming in from the colleges. That's actually illegal uh, in, in okay. the collegiate game over there. Um, so, yeah. And again, you know, it's 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 more of a we obviously do our market and everything else, but it's more of a word of a mouth. Uh, situation where you know clients hear about us they're looking to go to the us and then they obviously sign up and, and just in terms of what we do is um obviously the onboarding process where we kind of I, I don't like using the word classify uh, each client but we we find out you know what they're trying to achieve from it um one thing we obviously can't guarantee is is say everybody gets a full scholarship for example um that, that's next to impossible um but we give them kind of a rough idea of what's achievable what's not and then obviously if they wish to take it further uh we move into kind of the marketing phase with them where we promote them to the coaches in the us and there's so much in between that as well where you know you've got visa requirements you have eligibility clearance with the ncaa um you know, there's, there's so much to it so i think the best way to describe it is there's there's a process of a to z and we kind of manage everything in between that yeah, no, that's that's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's great again. Like as I say, it's great to see that there's some someone out there that is so passionate about making sure that you know teenagers and and kids and underage players and and young young adults are looked after and they're you know they're they're making the right decisions and they're getting into the education system as well as like potentially achieving their dreams of becoming professional sports stars. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 again, and I think it's a. It's a channel and it's it's a it's a pathway now that, as you said earlier, it's it's, it's unmatched, um, and and again it's it's a support system where if a, an athlete doesn't make it at their chosen sport, you know to be professional, then it's there for them. And again, you know you look at, uh, what was mentioned earlier about the Cork City lads, you know that had a, a link with UCC, and they went on to be professional footballers in England, um, and had a really good career. So they're, they're like you know. The, we know ourselves, we're not codding anybody by saying that there is finance to be made um, and lucrative finance to be made in professional football and professional sports. So um, it would be more of, of a, a kind of support system and pathway for people that are looking to get an education while playing as well. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely brilliant. And uh, just winding down now to the, the last couple of questions, uh, uh, what would be the ideas now for the future for, your, for yourselves? Is there any, any plans to move into like other countries or, or anything like that or are you solely fixed on Ireland at the moment? 
No, no, we're actually, uh, we've spread out in the last last year and a half, actually. So we're in, we are obviously, our main client base is in Ireland. Um, we have a couple of clients from the UK um, and we're also in the Middle East as well. Uh, so there, there's a lot of um, academies here in the Middle East that are, uh, again, looking for pathways. So again, because it's so restricted in terms of the rules out in the Middle East in relation to professional clubs, you know, you have to maybe have to be a, a local resident. And again, primarily these, these um markets are made up by expat and um, there is pathways to try and get clients to the us so uh, we've expanded definitely in the, in the last year and a half in terms of plans um i suppose there, there were <laughs> we've a lot of plans but it, it depends on what i suppose is, is reality and what's not uh, obviously as i said we're we're multi-sports so we work with golf clients we work with track and field rugby um i think a big thing for me as i said like i would love to get to a point where you know we have a a full team and again this is kind of uh, I don't know if it's a bit of a pipe dream or, or, or whatever you want to call it, but uh, I'd love to have a system or, or, or set up maybe in, the, in uh, uh, you know, the middle of Ireland, whether it's at loan or, or whatever it is, where, you know, we can gather a couple of players or, or a team of players um, and have maybe a full-time training schedule with them weekly. Uh, they then obviously go back to um, their schools and it's kind of geared towards uh, moving to the US. And, and again, what comes with that is, it's obviously a different mentality in terms of the way the sport is played. Uh, obviously, strength and conditioning now is come on leaps and bounds in Ireland. But again, the US is probably a little bit ahead of it in terms of, of where they're at. So I think it's just tailoring for uh, these players and getting them ready for, you know, potentially going across to the US. Something like that, I think, will be unique. But again, you know, it, that's something that's got, going to require a lot of planning. So for now, you know, it, again, it's, it's just about having these showcase events, uh, trying to put the clients in, in the best light possible and, and kind of going with the flow from there. Brilliant. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. It's something that I, I'm I'm sure that if people are listening to this, they'll be looking into themselves. You know, it's it's great to see. As I said, we had we had Sean Kerrigan over or on the on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he was, you know, singing the praises of of yourself and of the the scheme, the scholarships, and everything as as it was. And he was he he couldn't speak highly enough about it. And you know that's the kind of stuff that you know it's it's great to see and if if there are kind of younger kids listening or you know teenagers 15 16 looking at what their options are when they finish the school and they're you know starting to get looked at by by professional clubs they might have that other option there that they might look at and think yeah you know what this is this is more a bit of me and I'll, I'll look forward to getting over to the states if if possible so uh, now look it's it's great to have you on Jake and I mean I'm sure we'll we'll chatting to you again another time about this it's it's something that's i think it's something that'll always be evolving really as we look at you know the the land of the land of brexit really and you know with with that kind of stuff coming on i think a lot more people will be looking to go the route of college in america to, to play their their top level sport yeah no i i think it's going to be as i said i think <laughs> i'll go back to it again i think league of ireland and, and other sport and federations within ireland are a bit at a bit <clears> of a crossroads now in terms of moving forward so um, yeah, it's just again, it's about providing opportunities for for younger people. And you know, you mentioned a couple of ages there, in 15, 16. You know, you could be twenty two when you want to go across, and you might be still eligible. So, you know, you might play in Ireland for a couple of years. You might think, okay, look, it's not worked out. I want to try something different, and you can still go across. So, um, again, you know, there's there's pathways for everybody, which is great. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely brilliant. It's, it, and look, you've been you've been really really generous with your time. Um, it's been great to have you on. We're you know we're absolutely big on Atlantic scholarships now. We've had yourself and and Sean Kerrigan on, so I'm sure we'll try and get somebody else from your your program on as well in the future to to pick their brains as well. 
just waiting for the invoice now. When are you going to be sending that? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So thanks very much, Jake. Cheers, lad. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much. Uh, joined here by Leeds United's underage superstar, uh, Ronnie McGrath, an Irish under-19s under player, uh, 17 years old. Ronnie, how are you? I'm good, thanks, yeah. Thanks for having me. Nice to be on here. Yeah, no, it's great to have you on. Um, you're you're signed with Leeds. You're you're currently at the under-18s, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and how's that going? You doing well? Yeah, well, I had a bit of a slow start last season, so... In pre-season, I had a back fracture, stress fracture in my back. That kept me out quite a while till like November time. And then not long after that, I had a bit of a knee problem where I had to get a sur some surgery on it. So I actually played my first game of the season in February. So it was a very slow start, but no, I did well. I ended up playing 11 games. So, and then they got an island call up as well, obviously. So, it ended pretty positive. Yeah, absolutely. No, I was just looking here. You were you were out for eight and a half months with that with those two like really big big injuries. Um, how like what was it like coming through the rehab at Leeds? I could imagine they've they've got a great um great facilities to deal with that kind of stuff. What what was the rehab like? No, it was really good. I've, the physio I did with Mark, I've. He's he's really he's really good with it. He helped me through all of it because obviously it's a it's hard with your physical side, obviously being injured and stuff. But you've got the you've got the mental side of things as well. So obviously, other than being a good physio, he helped me a lot with everything basically during the rehab. So I ended up coming back a lot. Not just I didn't just come back from my injuries. I came back a lot stronger and better from. Them. So that was down to Mark, really good physio. So it was, it, yeah, we all got good facilities there and stuff. So that helps a lot. Yeah, no, that's great to hear, especially the mental side of things. Our, our last episode was actually uh, an episode on heading the game, which is a, an initiative over here to get people talking more about football and or about mental health in football. Um, so now it's great to see, great to hear that you you were taken care of well on the mental side as well as the physical side. Um, yeah, so you you you've been you've played for the England under fifteens and sixteens, and then the the uh, the changeover in the Irish under nineteens. Um, where does the where does the link come from? Where uh, is it like how far back is the link in your family? Yeah, it's to, my Irish? my grandparents on my dad's side. They're from Dolphins Barn in Dolphins Barn in Dublin, so that's the link. Oh, very good. And yeah, no. Basically. When when I was growing up, like my dad's a big Ireland fan, and we're also big Celtic fans, so we've always had like a massive Irish connection, sort of thing. Like it's always been strong in my family, and it's it has been something I've always wanted to. Before the call up, it's always been something I've wanted to try. You know, playing for playing for Ireland and stuff. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, how does that kind of work with the changing over from the 16s, the English 16s to the Irish 19s? Like, is it, I assume there's a lot of paperwork involved with that change in your, your nationality with FIFA and things like that, is there? Yeah, well, we 
it, it actually it took um so obviously you've got to get you've got to get proof of my grandparents being born in being born in Ireland and it took quite a while it took quite a while because my my granddad was actually he was born in Birmingham and he moved back over to Ireland when he was a baby but my nan was born in Dublin but there wasn't any proof basically of her being being born there so it took it took a long a long time compared to probably others who've had to do it because we had to we went through like church records and stuff like that the way we found it from i want to say like my second cousin on facebook sort of thing we got in touch with him and he managed to get us the um documents and stuff for it to get it sent through yeah no that that's great to hear it's great to see that someone's chosen to, to come over and play for ireland um you know, I'm sure you've heard the stories of, of uh, certain uh, English internationals at the moment that, that change allegiances the other way. So, uh, you know, it's great to hear, you know, that you're, you're um, declaring for us. Uh, it's great to have you. Uh, just looking here, you're you're a right-sided player. You play more on the right wing, right midfield, right back. Is that, is that true? Yeah, well, um, I came back from my injury, played wing, and then I... Our normal the thing I actually played right back a lot when I was younger, probably from like under nines to under twelves, thirteens, and then I went forward a bit more. But our fullback got injured and I ended up I ended up covering there in fullback for the last four or five games. My under my under eighteens coach actually sees me as a fullback anyway. But um yeah, I ended up playing really well there and I I probably enjoy it more than wing, to be honest. It's a it's a good position. Yeah, I suppose you look at the the evolution of the the right full of late, like you know the, the likes of Trent Alexander Arnold and and yeah. um, you know Reese James and the likes, of, especially in England, they'd be more kind of involved in getting forward and getting on the ball. So I think it could be, you know, it'd be that type of player. Would you would you say that's the type of player that you'd, you'd be most compared to, or who would you in the modern game? Who would you say you'd be most like? I don't know this because, like, obviously, fullback wise, Trent, he's known for his passing and stuff. Uh, I couldn't really, I couldn't actually pick one. I'm quite a, I enjoy, I enjoy dribbling. I enjoy, I enjoy taking on players, going around players. I wouldn't say there's a fantastic amount of players like that anymore, especially at fullback sort of thing. So, I don't know. I'd like to think of myself as a. It's like an individual sort of thing, my own my own type of player. I don't really see much or many modern players anyway with the same style. Obviously being a Celtic fan, there's a few players that I look up to, like Tom Rogic, for example. He's a bit more forward than me, but the way he plays, like a lot of lot of dribbling, a lot of taking men on, that's something you know, it's something I look up to, it's something I enjoy. So yeah, any any particular Dribbler, someone skillful, anyone like that. Yeah, so a bit of pace pressure as well, maybe, and you know, it's uh, you can cause a bit of trouble, especially if you're coming from right back. I suppose you have a bit more room to build up ahead of steam. Yeah, get a yeah, bit of pace exactly. behind you. Yeah. A lot more, a lot more area space to drive into on, with the ball. That's good. Yeah. Um, so when you're being called up to the the Irish under on the nineteens, who how, how does that work? Who's the first person that gets in contact with you? 
Um, I want to say it was this, someone called Vinny. He deals with all the, you know, the paperwork and stuff, stuff like that. But beforehand, so there was, so there was some scouts who came to watch me. I want to say a few weeks after the, um, after I mentioned it to the Republic of Ireland tracker, there was a few, a scout came to watch us v Liverpool, and then. Wolves, I believe, and then another—I forgot. I don't know the other one, but yeah. So they came. They came to watch me. Got in touch with me, and yeah, I think Vinny did a lot of it. There's a few others, but yeah, there's a lot of because it was hard at the time, obviously with the paperwork and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah. So you 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 went through your your injuries and things like that, your rehab, and then. Um, Back stronger than ever now, and I mean, you're, you must be looking forward to any future call-ups, are you? Oh yeah, I mean, I was buzzing when I found out about this one. It was just obviously it's something I want to do for so long, and then the way it ended wasn't very nice, obviously with the injury. So yeah, yeah I can't, I can't wait for the for the next one, sort of thing. So just hopefully get back fit, and if I find the form I had towards the end of the season. In the last ten or few games that I played, then yeah, hopefully I'll get a get another call up. Yeah, and uh, just seeing here, you you were called up to train with the first team at Leeds um, last year, was it? Yeah. And what was that like training under uh, Marcelo Bielsa? Uh, I remember it, it was Ian. It was both of us, and um, he did a lot of they did a lot of work off the iPad sort of thing. So they'll show us show his drills on the iPad and then we'd have to obviously go out and go out and do them. The first team, because they've done them all season, they knew all of them. Me and Kean had to watch all of the passing drills, movement drills and stuff on, on the iPad before going out to train. And we had to like, I think I had to memorise about six or seven different drills like in my head in the space of about five minutes before I had to go out and do them. It, it was quite, it was crazy up there, sort of thing. Very, very hard, very frantic, about like 100 miles an hour when we was training with him. I was, obviously, because I didn't know, didn't know the drills that well. It was quite a, quite a scary, scary moment for me, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bielsa, of course, was one of the, he was, he was put up for manager of the year that year, wasn't he? Was that a, in, was 2021 he was up for the or was it 2020 or whatever uh he was he was called up to be in the, in the top three managers in the world so i mean yeah to, i know to train, train under him must have been crazy like it was a crazy playing style like i mean obviously i missed a lot of it that season but even when i came back like some of the stuff because as a when we was under 18s we replicated a lot of what the, we replicated whatever the first team did sort of thing and we was doing like murder ball and stuff, like high. And it was like, not just a murder, we'd do murder ball midweek, but not just that, we'd be doing high intensity drills, probably like Tuesday to Friday sort of thing. So it was, and then play on Saturday. So it was really, really intense, really intense training. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you was about, so you're with the under 18s, um, and obviously Bielsa was the, the seniors manager. When you have a manager like that in charge, does the whole club just change the entire ethos and just work towards 
his style of play or do you kind of does it depend on who your manager is at that at that age group? No, well, that's the thing. There's some managers you have might you might have a little bit more leeway with what, the 18s coach. You might have a little bit more leeway with what they do, but under Bielsa, it was very very structured sort of thing. So whatever he was doing, the 23s would do whatever the 23s was doing, and then we'd do it as well, sort of thing. It was for so for for them. If if we was doing the same thing the first team was doing, if we got called up, we was ready to, you know, yeah. we already understood what we had to do, sort of thing. Ah, of course. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you're one of three really exciting young Irish players at Leeds in the under-19s at the moment. You know, you mentioned already Keane Coleman. Uh, yeah. And then Andrew... And, Andrew Ducci. Ben Andrew Ducci. Yeah, is that how? Yeah, so uh, what's it like? How is that? I'm sure there's a bit of a buzz between the three years at the moment, is there? Well, yeah, Kit, obviously, um, when I when I was younger with Kian, we we talked about um, we talked about playing for Ireland together, so that, that was it was obviously nice to be on a camp with him. That was the first time ever, and then Ben's been on, he's been on a few as well. I want to say he's been on some with Kian, but yeah, it was just. Being being called up lovely and stuff, and then having having people that you've played with for so long to go and play with is also it's also really nice. Yeah, it's easy, probably easier to settle in then if you know the lads that are that are there yeah. as well. Like, and did you join up with the with the team before your injury was that, or did you miss out beforehand? No, that was yeah. So there was uh, Keen's. I remember Keen and Ben went to the first camp. When I was injured, so like I believe there was like there's like they have English based camp sort of thing, you know, for all the English players that can play for them. And yeah. Key and Ben was at that, and obviously that's how they got to know lots of the lads. So it was nice when I got when I got called up having Key in there, you know, with someone to introduce me to him, sort of thing. It was nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and sorry, yeah, just kind of wrapping up now. Um, your what what would be your plans and your aspirations for the future? You mentioned you're you're a big Celtic fan, um, and you know you're obviously an Irish underage player now. Uh, is that the is that the target now is to play for Celtic at Parkhead and and play for Ireland senior team, or is there anything else that you'd be looking at? I'd I'd love to play for Celtic. That's it's always been a dream. Same with Ireland, but at the moment I know. I know in my ability, obviously it's been a bit harder for me with the injuries and stuff, like even picking up one now. Like in my head, I know I'm easily good enough to, you know, to push on from the 18s to hopefully maybe in a in a few years' time being being around the first team for Premier League football sort of thing. I know I've got the I know I've got the ability for it. I definitely have. It's just just one of them things. My progress has been stopped a little, obviously, because of the injuries, but yeah, in the future, I just want to see how far I can get going forward with Ireland, and then obviously Premier League football because I know I've got the, I know I've got the ability to play Premier League football. Yeah, no, that's that's great to hear. It's great to hear that you have that confidence about as well, and it's like a natural. You know, you're not putting it on. It's it's great. Um, and look, I mean, as an Irish fan, I, I love nothing more than to see you go on and and you know. Get your your first senior cap, and I'm sure I'll be there in, in the Aviva Stadium when you do. Uh, I go go regularly enough myself, so 
it'd be great to see you step out onto the onto the turf at Lansdowne Road. Uh, but I'm sure you're going to have to learn the the national anthem before then. Is that is that the plan now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> that, that's. I'll be my next step. Hopefully, well, I've got time yeah. off now before with my injury. So hopefully by the next camp. Yeah, I mean, you probably. Yeah, you'd know a better than I would anyway. But um, no, look, it's it's been great having you on, Ronnie. Look, you're you're a very mature head and young shoulders, and it's it's great to see. Um, I'm sure you're you're going to go flying up the the ranks now at Leeds, and and uh, you know we'll be looking forward to seeing you playing in the Premier League soon enough. That's great. Thanks very much. Cheers. Do you like football? Do you enjoy collecting football kits? And we have the event for you. Sunday the 2nd of July in the Imperial Hotel in Dundalk. Kick On will be present. The first ever Irish football kit convention. Kit vendors, kit collections, football walking tours, panel discussions being led by some of the leading experts in football kits, as well as giveaways, and match ticket discounts. For more information, please visit footballkitbox.com or head over to our socials.